Uh, but we're, we're back into this series on boundaries, and today we're going to be talking about boundaries around our bodies. Um, this isn't, before we get started, this isn't, this isn't a sermon of do's and don'ts. Um, I don't want, this isn't a sermon of a list of rules uh, of things that we should do or things that we shouldn't do. Um, I know a lot of times in church we can, we can get that way. We can, we can get to feeling like following Jesus is about following a list of rules, of following a list of do's and don'ts. Um, but that's not what following Jesus should be. Uh, following Jesus should be about developing and deepening a relationship with Jesus, drawing closer to him so that he can transform us, take us on a journey of, of transformation where we become more like him. And so it's a relational thing, not a rules thing. Uh, so today, but we do have guidelines, right? We have principles and guidelines that we should li live our lives by. And, and today is going to be more about some of those guidelines of things. And we'll talk about some, some maybe some rules and things that may be good for some of us to apply in our lives. Uh, some boundaries may be good for some of us. Other boundaries may be better for others. Uh, but I just want us to have that mindset uh, before, we, before we get started today, because some of the things that we mentioned today might be an absolute necessity kind of a boundary for one person, uh, but it may not be necessary for another, and, and that's okay. Uh, our journeys are going to look different, right? Our walks with Christ are going to look a little bit different than each other, and, and that's okay. So the, the passage that we're going to uh, base today's message on comes, I'm sure uh, a lot of you are very familiar with it, it comes from 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And the verse, I'll read it here, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, reads, reads like this, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So let me give you some context first on this verse. So Paul is writing this letter to Corinth because Corinth has previously written some letters to Paul, asking Paul some very specific questions about their walk with Christ and about what it means to be a Christian and, and behaviors and things that they should have. And uh, the church in Corinth was struggling with some specific things. So Paul is writing a, a lot of this letter to the church in Corinth uh, addresses very specific issues that the church in Corinth was, was having. And the passage that precedes these couple of verses that I just read uh, is absolutely that type of an address that Paul is giving. The church in Corinth had uh, several questions around sexuality. Um, questions on incest and questions just on, on sexuality in itself. And so Paul was addressing those questions specifically. And so if you read the entire uh, passage that these couple of verses is encapsulated in, these couple of verses that I just read are kind of the culmination of that passage. Uh, you may think that, that, that this passage just is talking about sexuality and sex. And, and most of it is. But this culmination passage, this final idea that, that Paul has is kind of this overarching idea 
that doesn't just apply to sexuality. It doesn't just apply to sex, but it applies to all of who we are. That our bodies are a temple for the Holy Spirit. That our, God, that our bodies do not belong to ourselves, but they belong to God. And that our bodies should uh, be used for glorifying Him. And while those overarching principles can be applied certainly to our sexuality, they can be applied to our entire lifestyle. And so that's what I, I want to break down this morning. So we're going to break this verse up into three different parts. Uh, we're going to break the verse up into three different parts. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and then I'm going to ask you guys to come up with uh, some boundaries that might apply to that specific principle that we're talking about. So this will be a, a give and take this morning. I'm giving you a heads up so that you can... Uh, I know some of us, myself included, it takes a little while to get you know, this thing upstairs to start moving and, and, and cranking. And so I'm giving you a head start that uh, I'm going to be asking you some questions... And it's okay to respond. In fact, I want response. And, and we'll walk through these together as a body. Sound good? All right. So the first, the first chunk that I want to take out of this verse is the first third of this verse where it says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? The Holy Spirit was given to us by God. Now, this, this verse is quoted all over the place. It's, we talk about it in church a lot, but this, this verse is also used a lot in the secular world as well. And, and as such, its meaning tends to be, it, it tends to be one of these verses where its meaning gets skewed. And so I, I want to I talk this morning about the temple. And, and I think it can go, because the temple was... A central part to the Israelites' relationship with God. And the temple wasn't about Israel being glorified. The temple was about God being glorified. And I think too often this verse becomes translated in a way where it's about us being glorified. Our body is a temple. Gets, gets translated or used in a way as such that it, it points more towards us being glorified rather than God being glorified. And that would be absolutely the wrong interpretation. And so I want to start a little bit this morning by talking about what the temple meant or the tabernacle meant to the Israelites in Old Testament Scripture. Okay? The first verse I want to dive into comes from First Chronicles. Um, 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 12. Uh, we, get, we get input on what the temple looks like in 1 Chronicles. Uh, uh, we get uh, an insight, First and Second Chronicles really, Second Chronicles even more. We see Solomon, uh, David's son, Solomon, King Solomon is the one who built the first temple for God. And we get... Uh, uh, several chapters of description of, of the temple, of the furnishings inside the temple, of the priests who, were, who God uh, instructed to care for and lead the activities and things that took place at the temple. There's like several chapters in each of those books. First uh, Kings and, and Second Chronicles. Uh, there's also 
the, the tabernacle we, we see before, uh, before the, the Israelites became the huge nation that they became, they were a nomad people wandering the wilderness. And they didn't have a temple at that point. They had a tabernacle, which was a, a portable temple, if you will, a tent uh, that served as their temple that was at the, the center of camp. And, and God gives Moses the instructions uh, for the tabernacle in Exodus. We find uh, those verses uh, towards the ends of toward, towards the end of Exodus, and it's like five or six chapters long of this description. It, like God laid out in detail for Moses what he wanted this tabernacle to look like. And I'll be honest with you: for a long time, I struggled with these passages. And I don't know if any of you else struggled with these passages uh, like I did, but I really wrestled with these passages because. The, the tabernacle and the temple seem like, like way over the top places. Uh, they were furnished, you know, it, the, the, you start reading through the chapters and you talk about there was so much bronze used in the tabernacle that it couldn't be weighed. Like things were, were built with this precious wood and then, they were, and then the wood was completely covered in gold. And, and, and they brought precious gems and everything was covered in precious gems and, and silver in the, in, in the temple. Uh, silver became almost worthless because they used so much silver and it was so plentiful. Um, and, and the temple was covered in so much of it that it was like just... And I struggled with this because... Like they used the, the, the veils and the, the, the tent coverings were made... Um, from fine linen, and not only was it fine linen, but it was linen that had been colored with very expensive dyes like blues and purples and scarlets that were very uh, rare and, and difficult and expensive. And like, to me, following Jesus now isn't about all those beautiful things. Like, you know, to me... Following Jesus should be about simplicity and, and we shouldn't be worried about gold and silver and precious jewels and fine linens and things. And so I really, I struggled with these passages and how ornate that God was instructing the Israelites to make this tabernacle and to make this temple. But then I realized that our bodies are a holy temple. And that truth started to shed some new light on how I looked at these passages from Old Testament Scripture. And I realized that all this ordinateness and, and this important design that, that God was putting into the tabernacle and the temple wasn't about the Israelites being glorified. It was about God being glorified. And the temple was an important place of worship for the, for the Israelites. They came and made sacrifices. It was a place where God dwelt and they interacted with God through the temple, through the priests, the intermediaries in the temple. Uh, and God was very specific about how that happened. Only the Israelites were allowed into the temple or around the temple. 
um, and only the priests were allowed. So the temple had three spaces to it. It had the outer courtyard. Um, I got some pictures of it here. We put up the picture of the, the tabernacle. So this is the picture of the tabernacle. Um, so what's not really shown in this picture is the outer courtyard that surrounded uh, the tabernacle. That's where the sacrifices would have taken place and where the Israelites would have come and brought their sacrifices to the priests. And there would have been an altar in the middle of the courtyard where those sacrifices took place. Um, there also would have been uh, what amounted to a, uh, a wash basin, for, for, for lack of better term. Um, here's, this is a picture of the, the temple, and that would have been the wash. That was for purification of the priests, so the priests would make sacrifices, but now uh, they've become impure because they've touched dead animals. So they, before they could enter into the temple, they would have to wash themselves in a ceremonial ritual in this basin before they could enter in the temple. Only the priests were allowed to enter into the outer room inside the temple. That was the holy place. And inside that space, and you can see inside the temple, you know, everything's lined with gold. Only the priests were allowed into this space. And in this space were, were several things, um, one of which would have been the lamp, uh, there were, there, this was a dark space, especially in the tabernacle. There were no windows, and it was, so this would have been a dark space. So the, the lamp uh, was in there. The lamp was lit by oil, and they had to maintain that because the lamp had to burn all the time. And so one of the priest's roles was to keep that lit. There was the bread of presence. There was a table where they kept uh, the bread of presence that they had to replace every week. So that would have been in this space as well as an altar of incense that burned incense continually in this space. Uh, so that would have been in this space. And then the innermost part of, of both the temple and the tabernacle would be uh, the holy of holy places. That was where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And only the chief priest was allowed into that space. And only once a year was he allowed into that space. Uh, during the Festival of Atonement, the, the culmination of that festival would would end with him going into that space uh, with the sacrifice uh, for the atonement of the Israelites' sin, and that would take place once a year. So they're very specific. God was specific about how uh, this temple was to be built. He was specific about how worship was to take place here. He was specific about how it was to be cared for and who could do that caring. God had a specific plan for this temple. Nothing about this temple was left to chance. Nothing about it was a mistake. Nothing about the way it was created was left to chance or, or, or left to mis was done by mistake. It, God had a specific design and a specific purpose for everything that went into this temple. And God supplied all that was needed for it. When, when the Israelites left Egypt, God... Uh, um, softened the Egyptians' hearts to be favorable of the Israelites as they were leaving. And, Moses, and he instructed Moses to tell the Israelites to ask the Egyptians for, for stuff when they left. And so the Egyptians gave them all kinds of gold and jewelry and gems and stuff on they let, as they left. And, and, and God enabled essentially the Israelites to plunder Egypt 
as they left. And it wasn't so the Israelites could be rich. It was so that the Israelites, when they were out in the wilderness, had the resources to build this temple that God was going to tell them to build. So God had a plan all along about this temple and how it was to be constructed. And he was going to supply the resources needed for that. I want you to understand this morning that God had a plan and a purpose for you as his temple going forward today. So just like God had a plan and a purpose for this temple that he built or that he had the Israelites build, God had a plan and a purpose when he created you. And he knew what it was going to be from before you were ever a thought in your mom and dad's head. And he has a purpose for you to carry out in his mission on this earth. And he's going to provide whatever it is that you need to carry out this purpose that he created you for. And that's an important truth for us to remember. That our bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit serve a purpose. And God has a plan and everything about our bodies and the way that they were created was intentional by God. If we believe this to be true, then we should probably have some boundaries around the way we think about our bodies. So that's the first set of boundaries I want us to think about this morning. If we believe that our bodies are the temple for the Holy Spirit, and remember how important the temple was to the Israelites. It was a place where they were able to interact with God, not directly like we're able to today through Jesus, but they were able to interact through God to, with God through this space of the temple. The temple also served as a, as, a, as a visual way that the people who surrounded the Israelites, the other nations that surrounded them, could see God and witness God. This thing. So if we believe that our bodies today are now the temple where God lives and dwells, that has to change the way we think about our bodies. If we believe that God had a plan for the way he built the temple and the tabernacle, then we need to believe that God had a plan for the way he built and designed and created our bodies. And that's to change the way we think about our bodies. Society, man, floods us with all kinds of messages about what we, would, what we should think about our bodies and, and what what is good and what is bad or what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. And, and, we, and so many of those messages are absolute lies. So many of those messages speak untruths into the way that we think about our bodies. What are some, what are some boundaries that we can put in place? This is the interactive part. What are some boundaries that we can put in place to help us protect the way we think about our bodies. What, guard what you hear? Absolutely. Guard what, guard what goes in here. In a practical sense, what does that mean? Maybe that means 
we got to change the people that we hang around with because maybe they're speaking untruths into us. Maybe we need to change the radio station or the TV station because of the things that we're watching or hearing are speaking untruths into us. Absolutely. What's, what's something else? Guard, guarding what we hear. Guarding what goes in here. What else? Guarding what we see. Absolutely. Same, same principle. And again, it doesn't mean that We need to cancel our Netflix subscriptions and um, our, our Hulus and our Amazon Primes and our, like. But we need to be intentional about these kind of things. And if there are things that we're struggling with, uh, if, if we have problems in some of these areas and the way that we view our bodies and how God created them, then we need to take a look at maybe some of the messages that are causing those ways of thinking, and put boundaries around them. Let's move on. I, w I would love to camp here and, and come up with some more together, but I also want to get through this message today. The second part of this passage tells us that you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. Again, our society tends to tell us that like our bodies are ours, that it's about us, that it's about doing what's right for us, it's about doing what feels good for us, it's about doing, like it's all about um, uh, th th this self-centered mindset. Um, but our bodies, Scripture tells us all over the place, don't belong to us. Uh, th they were bought with a high price. Three, three proofs. Of that truth. One, we were created by God. So already we don't belong to ourselves. We were created by God. He created us. We are His possession. Secondly, we were redeemed by Christ. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, Christ died on the cross to atone for our sins and redeem us into salvation. So Christ paid a price for each one of our lives. We were bought. That's what it's talking about here. God bought us with a high price. He sacrificed his son. He bought us with a price. Our bodies do not belong to us. The Holy Spirit makes our bodies his home. Our bodies do not belong to us. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 and 16 says, uh, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you, became, that you become slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave of sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. We belong to God. And when we choose to live outside of that truth, that living leads to death. And so we need to set boundaries, not just on the way that we view our body, but on the way that we care for our body. Think of it this way. 
I own a car. It's a big truck. I do lots of things in my truck. Uh, I haul stuff in my truck. Uh, right now, I, my whole, the whole back end of my truck is filled up with tools because I'm renovating in the middle of renovating an old camper, which don't ever do. Ever. Ever. It sounds cool. It sounds sexy. Like, it's not. Okay? It's not. We thought it would be a good idea four years ago, and I'm just now getting insulation put into the stupid thing. Um, it's not fun, but that's, okay, sidebar. Um, so, like, my truck's full of tools right now. Uh, a couple days ago, it was full of kickballs and squirt guns and stuff we're having for next week. Uh, I pull the seats in and out so I can put more stuff, like, I'm kind of hard on my truck. If I rented a truck, how do you think I would treat that truck? I would treat it even worse because that's nobody's truck. Like, I'd be tossing, where I place my toolbox into my truck, I'd be tossing stuff into that thing, right? Right? Has anybody ever seen uh, uh, Top Gear? There's an... There's an British car show. They made an American version. It's terrible. The British one is the best. I think it's on Netflix. If you haven't canceled your subscription because of my message today, um, you can watch. You can watch it. But there's an episode on there where Jeremy talks about, you know, they, they, they drive all these super fancy high-end performance cars. But he talks about the fastest car on the planet being a rental car. Because you don't care about the rental car. Like, you will drive it like a crazed person because you don't care. Because you're going to turn it back in afterwards. And, like, right? It's nobody's car, so you don't care about it. Now, what if, and I didn't have the chance to get Janine's keys this morning. I was going to try to get Janine's keys. Because Janine has a new car. Right? And what if, and this is a big what if, because Bear doesn't even get to ride in Janine's car. But what if Janine let me borrow Janine's car? That's not going to happen, I know. But what if, let's, let's, this is a scenario, right? She loves Bear more than me, and Bear doesn't even get to ride in the car. So I, I, I might feel lucky to get to sit in the back seat of Janine's car. But let's say, just for the sake of this illustration, that Janine lets me borrow Janine's car. How do you think I'm going to treat that car? Oh, that's somebody else's car. And they've given me responsibility over that car. Nah, now I view that car in a whole different mindset. I'm probably not letting my kids in that car, right? And, and Janine's got rules around that car. Like, there's no food allowed in that car. And so I'm probably going to keep those same rules because I, like, I don't want to turn that car back over to Janine and have her find Cheez-It crumbs in the back seat because I don't want to face the wrath of Janine and the Cheez-It crumbs that she finds in the back seat of her car while I had it. In fact, I will probably try my best. I'll probably take her car to the car wash before I take it back to Janine so that I make sure that I don't have any fingerprints on any of the windows and that I'll probably vacuum it out uh, so that I make sure I don't, because I, like, I want it to be better, if that's possible, 
than, than what it was when, when she gave it to me. Our bodies belong to God. And so the way that we take care of our bodies should reflect that they don't belong to us, that they are gifts from God that he has given us use of for this short little period of time that, that we call our life here on earth. And, and we ought to be good stewards of the gifts that God gives us. And our bodies are absolutely one of those gifts. And so if, if we're viewing our bodies as not belonging to us, but belonging to God, and we are just temporary stewards of these bodies, what parameters, what boundaries may, may we should be putting in place to steward and take care of our bodies? What are some things that we should be doing? Eating healthy. Exercising. Right? If God calls us into service, we need to make sure that we've got the, the, the strength and the nutrition to do what he's calling us into. Um, we need to be, and, and we may not always know what that is. And so we want to be prepared. And so we want to take care of our bodies. It's not about, you know, it's not about being Hercules, right? And, or, or being a, like, like a, a movie star actor body. Like that's not what it's about. But it's about taking good care of our bodies in a holy manner so that we're ready for whatever God calls us into and, and so that we're taking care of these vessels that, that God has gifted us with. All right, what are some other things? Eating healthy, uh, getting exercise. It's a dirty word sometimes. Um, you know, it's not just about not smoking and not drinking too much. Like, you know, maybe those are our, our boundaries too. Um, but man, it's, food is fuel for our bodies. It's not just a source of pleasure. Um, and don't get me started on how much sugar there is in every, everything that we eat. Um, and all the processed stuff. Like, don't, and I'm, I'm not going to go there. Like, eating healthy, yes. Uh, getting exercise, yes. What else? Going to the doctor. Getting our regular checkups. We, we ought to know if something under the hood isn't looking right. What else? How about rest? That's one that we don't talk about a whole lot. Getting rest. Seven, eight hours of sleep each night. If your kids, I'm sorry, your bodies need more because they're growing. Mine's shrinking, so I don't need as much rest. Seven or eight is fine. But if you're a kid, hey, you need 10, 12 hours of sleep each night. So stop staying up to midnight to play whatever it is. Right? We need rest. That's part of why God gave us the Sabbath, too. We, our bodies need rest. The Sabbath is about spending time with God, but it's also about a healthy pattern for our, our life. Okay? We need to put some boundaries around the way that we care for our bodies. Finally, the last part of this passage says our bodies should be used to glorify God. The, the temple, like I already said, the temple was a place for Israel to come and worship God. It was a place for them to come and make sacrifices to atone for sins. It was a place where they could come and, 
interact with God through an intermediary, but it was also a place where the outside world saw God and the importance and the power of who God was. God presence, God's presence was in this place, right? Pillar of fire, pillar of smoke, cloud of smoke is often the, the vision that we see of God around this temple or around the tabernacle. This would make no mistake, this was a visual representation of Israel's God to the outside world. God has given us lots of different ways to see who he is, to experience who he is, right? He's given us his creation. We can experience God through his creation. He's given us his son. We can experience God through interaction with his son and his spirit. He's given us his word. We can experience God and see God through his word. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as such, the outside world can see God through us. We are a representation of God as his creation, as his people, as the church, as his disciples. The world should be able to know a little bit more about God through the way they see us. And how we live our lives. And so, if that is being true, that the, the, the temple was about bringing glory to God. First uh, Kings chapter 5 verse 4. Uh, this is Solomon speaking here. But now the Lord my God has given me peace on every side. I have no enemies and all is well. I've accepted Jesus Christ into my life. My sins have been forgiven. I have hope, eternal hope in Christ. So now I'm planning to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, my God. Just as he instructed my father, David, for the Lord told him, your son, whom I will place on your throne, will build the temple to honor my name. Now I'm ready to build a temple to honor my God. Now I'm ready to live my life in a way that points others to God. What are some boundaries that we need to put in place around how we use our bodies? So we should have boundaries in place around the way that we think about our bodies. We should have body boundaries in place on the ways that we care for our bodies. What are some boundaries that we should have in place around the way we use our bodies? Watch what you say. Boundaries around the words that we choose to use. Boundaries around the behaviors and the habits that we practice. Boundaries around maybe the places that we go and the things that we do. Boundaries around the, the, the things that we do. Are there ways that we can even just adjust 
the things that we do on a daily basis that maybe point a little bit more to God. You know, at, at Roots, we talk about these missional experiments that we're challenging all of our people to do, to think about some of the things that they do on a daily basis that they could maybe change in a little way um, that maybe points to God just a little bit more or maybe gives an opportunity to share Christ with someone in a meaningful way. Uh, you know, when we did every 12th a few weeks ago for the families that couldn't make it to the kickoff, we gave them uh, uh, popsicles and, and lemonade to make and, and share with, uh, to go to a park and, and share with uh, people that they didn't know or to, to, to go and meet a neighbor in their neighborhood that they didn't know who was maybe out working on a hot day. Like, what are some things that we can do, some boundaries that we can put in place on the way we use our bodies that help to point uh, others to God as well? Let's pray. Father God, you are creator of all. This entire universe, you spoke into being. You created each one of us each one of us had an intentional design created by you for a purpose, for a calling. God, we are not our own. You bought us with a price, a high price, your son Jesus and his blood on the cross. God, help us to live our way, our, our lives in a way. Help us, to, help us to change the way we think about ourselves to view ourselves through your eyes as your creation, as these beautiful things that you created for a purpose, for a reason. Not as the way the world sees us, but as you see us. Help us to live our lives in a way um, that cares for these gifts that you've given us. Help us to be good stewards of your blessings all of your blessings, our bodies included in that. Help us to live our lives in ways that draw us closer to you, but also point others to you, God. Help us to live our lives in ways that are a reflection of your son, Jesus Christ. That others may come to know you through our bodies being the temple for your Holy Spirit, God. You are holy and amazing, God, and we want others to know that about you. God, it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.